I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? Hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to this special roundtable episode of the MLS Fantasy Insiders podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Wayne Rooney Fashion Lines, bringing you comfortable and luxurious pajamas so that you can express those secret deep longings for the sports franchises that you truly love uh no 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 uh, as always this uh, episode of the mls fantasy insiders is brought to you by the fantastic uh community at r slash fantasy reddit and mls fantasy boss i am your host michael denton uh reed is off on vacation this week and as well as the rest of the league so we had a little bit of downtime and thought it would be a good opportunity to sit and collect ourselves at a round table and kind of talk about the change of the game and see what was going on. And for that, I went looking for, for some nights of the round table and, and found some squires, but uh, I have joining me this week is uh, a long lost friend of the show, Jason Wiskovich and uh, a special guest, Tyler Kelly. How you doing? Guys? Hello friends. Good hey. to be back. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh, <this guy>. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we're not going to go too deep into round 19, um, but I, I figure it would be remiss if we didn't talk about it a little bit. How'd y'all guys do on, on was kind of a weird week? Yeah, I did pretty well. I uh, ended on 87 points. Um, finished round rank 563. Uh, walks came in as my sub, my amazing triple switcheroo, which turned into a triple subaroo. So that actually worked <laughs> pretty well. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, Captain... Um, Almiron, which was great. Uh, Torres and Molino kind of crapped the bed, but, um, you know, can't complain at 87. Um, ended up going back up to, uh, I think I finished, uh, yeah, I'm at 148 overall. I've been kind of jumping between 200 and uh, 70. So uh, hopefully uh, this coming week will be good. Uh, before I get into my points, I want to point out that that Rooney bit about the pajamas is. Complete and utter bollocks. Um, Everton. <laughs> I heard it come out of his mouth. I don't know what you're talking about. Not do that. <laughs> he wore red pajamas to, to sleep every single night for the past 13 years, and no one else can tell me differently. <laughs> um, as far as this past round, I uh, finished on 89 points. Uh, I to Captain Almiron, uh, round rank uh, 334. And that was good enough to jump me up to 344th. I think in the past two weeks, I've moved five spots. So happy with a good week, but not happy with no movement. Yeah, we, we kind of finished all in the same uh, area. I was 86, which is round rank 661. So I guess five ranks uh, better than being a really bad rank for the round. Uh, I captain Almiron, uh, got Harris to sub in. Um, I think the big disappointment for the, me this weekend um, was Molino, uh, three points, as well as the defense. But I don't think anyone, unless you were smart enough to get Columbus, and I don't know if that's really smart, um, you know, generally had bad defenders this week. But uh, yeah, Molino was a big disappointment. Really wish I had win or someone who was better than the three points he got. But um, um, moved up a little bit. I'm in the top 300 now. I uh, forgot to check before. 
um, I did this, but uh, yeah, so pretty happy with where I am at, at the first half. Um, so did y'all have any big takeaways? Uh, I don't know how much we could get from that week with all the absences and stuff and, and you know, midweek weird weirdness, but uh, any big takeaways from last week? Tourism Molino uh, pretty much didn't do very good. Um, I think that a lot of people were banking on Atlanta to do better than conceding two goals to a lackluster San Jose. And uh, how about that uh, uh, Philly, uh, or the Philly uh, destruction of SKC's clean sheet? That probably hurt a lot of managers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, maybe we can uh, talk about how RSL stomped all over uh, LA Galaxy. That, that made my day, 6-2. to two. Yeah, I figured you'd want to bring that up, Jason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was embarrassing from LA's perspective. I mean, LA had a lot of absences, but still, it's RSL. Yeah, right? You're telling me. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, – hey, but, you know, like like I said, we can – I'll take as many points on road games, uh, all, whatever we got to do to win. And, I mean, a trouncing of a team – like LA, I don't care how many people you have out. That's still embarrassing. And considering that the night before their LA Galaxy Los Dos got destroyed nine, was it nine nil? So yeah, th- things aren't looking good for Anolfo and his crew. I guess my takeaway from the week is this was definitely a because MLS hashtag week. The highest score of the week was Dempsey away at Colorado. Definitely predicted that one. Everyone knew that was going to happen. Uh, I don't know. This week was just really random. Like we're talking about Columbus with the, the clean sheet. Um, and then Rusnak getting 16 points on the road at LA. I, this was just a random week. And if you didn't get a massive red arrow this week, I think you're probably in good shape. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that last part. You know, when you have these kind of big international call-up weeks and teams are about to go on breaks, really all you're kind of trying to do is hold on to your spot. If you get any kind of green arrows, great. Don't expect a whole lot because everyone's just kind of treading water. Um, but it was really interesting to see how the scores kind of ended up in the same spot because I remember a lot of people were sending me very different lineups. So it was interesting how they all kind of generally worked out the same way, mostly because nobody got clean sheets. Um, But yeah, it it was, I mean, and we didn't even talk about DC hanging two on Dallas Um, and Mauro Diaz, you know, I'm looking at the score, seeing Dallas scoring four goals and thinking Mauro Diaz is on the field for all of them. He's going to have a monster game. Then coming back and he's like, got one assist and only five points. Really weird. Apparently, he's not on set pieces anymore, so he missed out on a whole bunch of bonus points. So, um, I, I don't know where he'll go from there with that. Um, but that that was to me the biggest disappointment of the round. I'm like, he's Dallas scoring four. I'm expecting Mauro Diaz to have like at least double digits, not five. Yeah, I, I got to thank Calvin for uh, kind of swinging me away. And I, I remember in one of our chat rooms, we were all talking about who your captain was, and me and TK were both like, hey, Diaz, and then someone said, oh, we may not even start. So that actually swayed me away, took him out. Yeah, same actually, here. Yeah, and I actually brought in a Martinez, um, and that actually helped me out, got me 12 points instead of five. So happy about that. So thank you, Calvin. <laughs> 
All right. Well, is there anything else y'all want to talk about uh, with round 19? Obviously, we're, we're just kind of keeping it a, a short week, mostly because by the time we have transfers next week, we'll all have forgotten about this round. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, as we talked about, we are on a, a break week. It's the week of the Gold Cup. Um, MLS is off this week. Um, there are still some U.S. Open Cup matches, so there might be some new injuries. Uh, I won't give you all an injury report because – you know, a week and a half an injury in MLS is is like a, a decade. But um, the transfer deadline is next week, uh, July nineteenth. Uh, it's Wednesday night. Um, there will be it will be a massive double game week, so we will have an episode for picks that week. So, um, but we're not going to talk about that right now because we have you know a whole week and a half you know to think about fantasy, and we figured it'd be a good time to talk about just kind of where the game is. And of course, the reason we're able to talk about where the game is, is our Patreon donors. Um, we want to thank them so much for the support uh, they've given us for the year and a half that we've had uh, Patreon. And if you're not a Patreon member, uh, we really encourage you to, to sign up. Uh, you know, your support allows us to have to pay for hosting fees, uh, for prizes for the league. Uh, you also can get some cool swag, some stickers and, and some glasses. Uh, I know I have a sticker on my iPad that I bring to work. Uh, it, it's really a, a great program, and you know, you're know you really helping to build uh, what we think is a great community here, um, the surrounding uh, fantasy uh, MLS. And uh, speaking of the community, I do want to give uh, one shout-out. Older Goaler is, uh, you know, as you probably know him from uh, Reddit, he is doing his annual MLS fantasy MVP vote. Uh, you know, MLS released their all-stars and there were some good picks and some mostly terrible picks, but you can pick what the best players are for fantasy. Uh, so go find him, uh, find the thread on Reddit. He's got a link to a survey monkey uh, form you can fill out to, and it's kind of a fun thing. We got Axel Holberry to, to join in on the fun last year. I, I don't know if we can get um, some MLSers to uh, try to get some votes this year, but but hopefully we can. And um, so that's a fun thing. So make sure you check that out. It's it's also a good way to, to pass the time uh, during this break. So um, like I said, what we're going to kind of do with this roundtable is talk about some of the rule changes, some of the new things that happened this year and how we're feeling, uh, you know, half a year in. Um, so I'm going to start way, way back at the very beginning and the opening weekend challenge, as you remember, for the first time, MLS had the opening week as its own separate thing. It didn't count towards overall, although it did end up counting um, in head-to-heads. And, you know, there was a prize awarded to the top person um, who had the first opening week score. Um, so, Jay, having gone through that now, what did you? how did you think that worked out? Um, I thought it was a good idea um, in regards to, you know, trying to figure out what you can do to get the initial interest into the game. Um, and I thought they did a good job of it. Um, I personally would have liked to seen a little more promotion um, within the clubs. Um, and I know that there's been some, um, I, I don't want to say uh, hesitation from the clubs because fantasy MLS is a separate entity uh, than the actual MLS and the clubs. So I think that, I mean, after seeing an opening weekend, uh, the challenge worked out. And then now seeing, since we're going to discuss later about FPL, uh, Fantasy Premier League, and kind of what the clubs are doing, um, I would have liked to see more than that. Um, I would also I would also like to see um, 
I think, you know, possibly letting other um, uh, possibly nations participate in the opening weekend challenge along with prizes and things like that. Uh, but um, other than that, I think they did a really good job, but I would have liked to see a little more promotion, um, especially on the social media aspect of things. Um, but yeah, I think they did a, a decent job though. See, see, you have a much uh, kinder attitude towards this than, than me because I was really angry uh, about this because, you know, we were going into this, how we're saying we're going to do this opening weekend challenge for two reasons. One, because you never really know what the lineups are going into week one. And so it's kind of a crapshoot anyway. But number two is that we want to spend the whole weekend promoting the game and that way getting all the people who are tuning in for the excitement of the opening of the season to give them a chance to get into fantasy. And so I tuned in week one expecting an overload of fantasy and got absolutely nothing. I'm, I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. Absolutely nothing. Nothing on team social media accounts. Nothing on local broadcasts that I can see on MLS Live. Nothing on uh, national broadcasts. You know, not Taylor Twelman, Alexi Lawless. Plugged MLS Live, didn't plug MLS Fantasy. Nothing other than the usual, you know, shout outs from Extra Time Radio. So I was really, 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 really disappointed. And it's just very frustrating that MLS continues to not promote the game. And, you know, I know there are people at MLS Digital who are very passionate about the game. And I don't know what the holdup is at the upper heads of the league office. But at some point, MLS needs to start putting its money where its mouth is. And if they really believe that this game is going to be a driver of viewership, a driver of MLS live subscriptions and, you know, real way to make the league grow, then they've got to do something. Because it, it seems like the attitude from the league office is like if they just make some rule changes or put in, you know, some small national prizes, that that's going to like somehow make the game explode. And it's pretty clearly at this point, I mean, we'll talk about all the rule changes that they've done. We're still at the same 30,000 people and it's not good enough. You know, they've got to do something. Uh, and what's really frustrating is, I mean, it's simple, not cheap things, you know, putting plugs in on local broadcasts. It's, you know, talking to supporters groups, maybe organizing, uh, you know, a prize pool with them to get them to create their own leagues. Um, you know, Tyler and I were talking about, um, the American Outlaws, a lot of American Outlaw chapters, I understand, have fantasy Premier League leagues. Mm, you know? My local town does. Yeah, and so, and I think uh, one of our friends, uh, Jason Hicks, has has something in, in his area too with the fantasy Premier League. But like, I don't see like that kind of creative MLS going to those kinds of already built organizations that are predisposed to be interested in MLS. Um, to kind of try to set up and use them as, you know, bases to build interest in league. I mean, really, it's just nothing other than extra time radio shout outs at this point. And I, I just don't know when something more is going to happen. I, I know there's people, you know, the people who work with us on the game, I know they love the game and I know it's, you know, MLS digital does a good job of the game. And I, I guess it's just the higher ups and deciding, you know, where to put resources and what to prioritize. I, I just wish at some point this would be the priority. And that that's what I thought I was getting with the opening weekend challenge. You know, finally some big push and then just absolutely nothing was just the b biggest disappointment for me for the season. 
How do you really feel? Uh, mostly with, uh, you know, some, some foul language thrown in there, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, we, we've kind of talked about, you know, on the show joking about Andrew Wiebe, you know, not making transfers, but for, for me, it, it's almost kind of not funny, you know, and this is the big guy who's promoting the game and then, you know, he doesn't even make transfers. It's kind of those are bad feelings. Like, come on, like this needs to be like an important emphasis. You know, if you were playing the game and talking about the fantasy game on the podcast, it's like the main vehicle for promotion. It would just be so much more. It's just one of those really disappointing things. Like, guys, there's so many easy things you could do to make this like a real viable part of the MLS experience that can grow your game and just, just continues to be nothing. I agree. Yeah, not to beat a dead horse here, but the marketing's just not there. It's a lot of what Michael just said. There's no advertising for this whatsoever. And uh, like he was saying, there's a lot of American Outlaws chapters, and I believe for a while the American Outlaws, the entire organization had a fantasy Premier League uh, league. And my local chapter here in Roanoke, Virginia, has a, an FPL league that goes every single season. We've had it, I think, three seasons now. Uh, it's really competitive. I think we got about 30 to 40 people who play in it every year. And last year, I asked a bunch of people in there if they wanted to join and do an FMLS league. And the majority response I got was, they have a fantasy MLS game? Like, people didn't even know that this – FMLS existed because there was such poor advertising for it. And these are people who watch almost every single uh, Premier League game, any game that's on national television for MLS they're watching. These are like really educated people in the world of fantasy sports, specifically fantasy soccer. And they didn't even know this league existed. Uh, so I think it's just a really poor job of letting people know that this league's there. And then, of course, if you want to attract people, you got to put – um, you got to put prizes out there for people. And I think one of the biggest things that like FPL has going for them is there, I think, believe last year there was 4.5 million players of FPL. And the majority of those individuals were outside of England. And those uh, people, you know, these prizes get spread around, but we don't even know what the advertisement for a lot of these prizes are. So I think it did, maybe open them up to a little little more availability with uh, different people. But earlier I was just looking at some Twitter stuff, trying to figure out some numbers here. Um, Premier League, the official Premier League Twitter account has 14.5 million followers. The official FPL account has 197.1 thousand followers. Um, the MLS Twitter account has 3 million followers the FMLS account has 6.1 thousand. Um, so if you look at the percentage of people who just say, if everyone who plays FMLS also follows MLS, two ones, it is down to two one thousandths of a percent of the amount of people that play the game versus those who follow the account. And then for FPL, it jumps up uh, times seven. I think it's, uh, 0.013% of people uh, who follow the Premier League also play FBL. I and mean, that's a huge jump in percentage right there. Um, and then when you look at the number of players in FPL compared to the number of followers for the Premier League Twitter account, 4.5 million followers 
for uh, 4.5 million players for FPL, 14.5 million followers. 3.2% of the followers of the Premier League on Twitter play FPL. When you go to FMLS and look at the 3 million followers MLS has on Twitter, 29,000 play FMLS. Nine one-thousandths of a percent. That's way too far off for, for this to be, to be good. They, they have to advertise it more and let people know that it's there because we're, we're never going to have 4.5 million people playing FMLS. But we can at least shoot for having the same percentage of people playing the game that follow MLS on a regular basis. I mean, I think that's a bare minimum to, to, to ask for. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's just so much potential here. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some other ideas, you know, to grow it. And, uh, you know, the opening weekend challenge, I thought was a good idea. It, you know, it, it just wasn't wasn't executed. And, you know, the, the lack of promotion um, just just really fed into that. Um, but I mean, now, one of the other big things that MLS was did to try to grow the game and to appeal to casuals was the unlimited transfers. Uh, obviously, it was very controversial. Uh, going in, Tyler, I remember you were one of the big people who were complaining about it uh, on, I don't remember if it was Reddit or Twitter. Having gone through 19 weeks of unlimited transfers, do you still feel like it's been bad for the game or are you happy about it now? I thought about this earlier to make sure I said this right. Um, I absolutely hated the idea to start with. Uh, I originally got into the fantasy soccer world playing uh, the fantasy Premier League, and theirs is always the season long. Um, you start off, and theirs is actually harder than what the FMLS system used to be. You get one free transfer per week. So changing from a season-long attitude to a week-to-week attitude really didn't sit well with me to start the season. However, I think I've done a complete 180 for MLS. I think it was a fantastic fix for a lot of the problems that people complained about over the past several seasons. Um, a lot of these bye weeks, I think there was that one early game week there where there were six teams playing. Those were no fun whatsoever when you had a full season to prepare for. You'd be lucky if you got five or six players starting in a, in a week like that under the old system. Now with unlimited transfers, you have all 11, and then you should even throw some more on your bench. So you're, you're looking good there. Um, and then for double game weeks, I think it allows people to take more advantage of the double game week system. I know we just had a double game week in which a lot of players who were in the best uh, the best team of the week were single game week players. I think that was the week a calm just went absolutely nuts against Orlando because Orlando was just tin pot, especially on the road. Um, but when it comes to the double game weeks with the unlimited transfers, you really can maximize your points. At this point, with these types of transfers, you should never have a double game week where you only score like 44 points or something. I mean, that would just be terrible. Um, So I would say I really like the system now compared to how it used to be. What about you, Jay? Yeah, I mean, you guys have pretty much said it all, to be honest. We're going to be beating a dead horse if we continue to talk about it. Well, then let me ask you this. Has it changed the way you pick players for the games? You know, I, I've kind of said a few times on the podcast, I think it's really put a lot more emphasis on goals and assists and clean sheets as opposed to bonus points. Because even if your player just gets a few bonus points, you know, really he's a fail for that week. You know, whereas in the past, 
you really look for bonus points because you were picking up a player over a five game stretch. Um, so have, has it changed the way you're picking? Are you just looking at goals or assists? Are you still using bonus points? How has it changed how you make your picks? Well, for, for me, I think that, I mean, it's been, it's been pretty obvious that most of the teams of the week have, have had at least four defenders, if not five defenders, um, which I think that the clean sheet um, bonus uh, has really helped out defenders and goalkeepers um, but at the same time, I think that it's been it's been difficult to predict really anything any away team scoring big. I and I really want to say that I think this last week with Rusnak um, had the highest point for an away player this entire season. Typically, you're looking at home defenses, home attackers, home midfielders. Um, and I think this, this it's been like that for this entire season more than any other season. Um, but I don't know. I'm still looking at who I think is going to, you know I mean? Like who, who is going to perform versus a bad defense. So if I know that RSL is playing on the road, I'm going to pick up probably a defender, if not a couple attackers from that team that's playing home, just because I know RSL's tin pot scrubs on the road. So, um, I really think it depends on matchups, but I still think that this year um, you're probably going heavier on defense than you are on everything else just because of those clean sheet bonuses. I mean, look at, you know, Madranda and um, Malia and uh, Ike Opara, even the Chicago players at home. I mean, they're killing it uh, just from all their clean sheets. So, I don't know. I like this new uh, clean sheet system. Well, and that, and that was the next thing we I had to talk about. You know, they increased the clean sheets from uh, four points to five points. Uh, let me ask you, Tyler, was that enough to really boost the defenders or, or was it too much? I think it was enough. Um, I, I'm really not sure why we're seeing so many more defenders in the team of the week this season as compared to last season with only a one-point bump for their clean sheets. Um, I was just looking at it here. The top, uh, the fourth top overall score in FMLS is Opara this year. And granted, he's had two goals, which are six points apiece in the past, I think it's five or six weeks. But if you drop all the way down to, I think it's eighth, Beasler is another, is the eighth overall highest score. Uh, I think, I mean, Kansas City's just getting clean sheets left and right. So I, I don't think the one-point bump from four to five was too much. Uh, I think the reason there's a little more uh, – I guess some people are concerned about clean sheets being too high now is the fact that when you have this unlimited transfer system, you have people almost every week just going and listening to like the podcast or just looking – at their, their sheets and saying, all right, which team has the best chance for a clean sheet? And they just put three or four defenders on that team. I, I've done it several times. Um, at the beginning of the season, Orlando was actually really good at keeping clean sheets at home. There were several weeks when I had three or four Orlando defenders just because that was almost a guaranteed 20 points just from their clean sheets. Add in bonus points from Spectre and Bendik. I mean, you're, you're, you're racking up huge points. So I think to answer the question is the clean sheet bonus is definitely not too much by just one point. But I'd like – I want to figure out why 
defenders are scoring so much higher this year? Are they just getting more clean sheets? I don't know. Um, because I didn't see too much of a change in the, um, the actual bonus point system for tackles, clearances, things like that for defenders. Um, so, no, I, I like the defender bump by one point. Well, I think one, one reason that might explain, you know, other than the unlimited transfers, why defenders are appearing so often in the team of the week is also the budget changes. You know, defenders have become a lot cheaper this year than they were in the past. You know, because in the past, you're really just looking, okay, who's the cheapest starter um, and just kind of plug them in and just kind of, you know, hope for some clean sheets along the way while you poured money in elsewhere. Whereas now you can go out and get an Opara or, you know, some of the top high scoring defenders without really hurting your, your budget too much. Um, and that kind of leads us into the budget. They made a lot of changes. You know, the, the prices of the defenders was the big one, uh, but they also changed the budget down to a hundred million. Um, was that enough to really force uh, a lot of price change or price motivated decisions for you guys? Uh, or is there some more work to do there? I liked it personally. I liked how, so I've said since uh, I want to say season two or season three of fantasy major league soccer that they need to adopt a little more of what the FPL did um, in the pricing structure and things like that. Um, and I'm really glad that they did that actually. I think the hundred million and getting rid of the two bench spots really did help out um, with the decisions I've said it since the beginning as well. I think it was dumb that we had five bench spots. There was no point in doing that. Um, I could see the reason why they did it. In my mind, I think they did it um, to be a different than the FPL, but also um, there's a lot of rotation and there's a lot of guessing with lineups and things like that since, you know, games are typically spread out uh, with two plus days. So I like how they did that. You know, you have your three bench spots, um, your second goalkeeper, you can activate a double to triple switcheroo, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. And then really, you know, with a hundred million bucks, it's like, it's, it's a good way to be uh, a different type of competitiveness. Um, and especially with the price changes, you have to essentially pick the right players. Otherwise you're going to stay the same or lose money. And uh, yeah, it's a different strategy. And I, I personally like it. See, I, I was looking at the numbers, and, and I'm wondering if this is going to be an area that gets tweaked a lot uh, for next season. And the reason I'm thinking it's it's going to get a lot of tweaked or a lot of tweaks is that we have so much money now because you know with the unlimited transfers, you're really getting into those players who are high probability of getting you know huge point bonuses. Um, so even if like everybody has them, you still get like the extra, you know, point two. I mean, we're talking about, um, you know, overall, uh, budgets left. I have 110 million and based on what we've heard from the past few weeks, that seems like a lot of people have about an extra 10 million. Well, that's huge with the way the game budget is set up. If you look at the numbers, you know, you have to have at least like 60 million for your baseline for every position, you know, every position, you know, the cheapest player is 4.0. So you multiply that by 15, that that's, you know, $60 million. So you had you know, to start off the year, you only had 40 million uh, that you could use as kind of discretionary funds to splash around, you know, in certain places. Well, now you have an extra 10 million and we're only halfway there. I mean, I pretty much grew a million dollars this week, and I'm expecting, you know, that to kind of keep rising as you have more money 
And, you know, that last, you know, spot, you know, maybe it's a defensive midfielder. Well, now I can bring in an attacking midfielder, you know, someone like a Jack Harrison. Maybe in a few weeks I can bring in like a Valeri or an Almiron for that spot instead. And so I think you're going to have so much more money now where you're not going to be as constrained by the budget as much. Um, So I'm not sure if that's going to keep going the way we've seen it so far where everyone's budget is increasing um but it's something certainly to to keep an eye on i, I don't know if, if y'all have seen the kind of same thing like the past few weeks like yeah i can pretty much buy everyone i want on my team and have like a you know few million left over to to put into a switcheroo yeah i mean this past week i i actually got into a situation where i ran out of funds um i ended up i think it was having a debate between um jamiley did i say that right um Jamiley and Lee Wynn, uh, because there was about a 1.0, I think it's about 1.0 uh, difference between them. Uh, so I think you're always going to end up with a little bit of difficulty because you're going to stretch that budget as far as you can every single week. So you're always going to come down to that like 0.1 difference between getting the guy you want and the guy you just are okay with getting. Um, Maybe the the system for the budget grows too fast that you get that point two change. If they have a really good game, maybe they could cut that in half to to point one um, to kind of slow down the growth of your funds. Um, but they should one thousand percent never ever 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 adopt the FPL price rise system. Um, the FPL system for every what is it every two-tenths the player's price rises, you can resell that player for half that value. So if you start off with a player who's 10.0 to begin the season and they raise a full point to where they're now valued at $11 million, you sell them, you can only sell them for 10.5. And let's say you sell that player for player B, and then player B all of a sudden gets injured and you need player A back. You now have to spend half a million more than you just sold him for to get him back. I think that system is absolutely ludicrous. And as far as the price rising, price dropping system, it's fantastic in FMLS. Maybe maybe nerf it a little bit, but definitely don't go anywhere near that FPL system. That's bogus. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the, the players themselves. Um, do y'all have any big surprises or disappointments you want to highlight uh, halfway through the year? Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll start with Jay. Yeah, so for me, um, I think Vasquez has been one of the impact players, um, not only for Toronto, but for Fantasy Major League Soccer at 9.2. He's still still killing it. Um, Jamali, or DZ, as we call him, um, I remember when he came in, um, I was speaking to um, Skyler about this, and he was telling me, watch out, this guy will be – the next Ladero, um, he's that good. And, uh, you know, I agree with him 100%. Uh, I think uh, Rusnak from RSL is also very good, um, you know, for the time that he's played. Um, I mean, that's that's really all. I would have to look at more more in depth of the, uh, of the transfers. I mean, Madronda has been – we all knew he was going to be playing out of position, which has been, which has been pretty good. But um, – uh, I really don't think that – I mean, Iguain has been – he was my dark horse last year to, to, to kill it. 
and this year he's just he's done just that. He's been great. But uh, I really think that besides you know Nikolic is uh, or Nico and Akam for forwards, um, I really think it's been pretty standard. Oh, are there any uh, disappointments? Uh, maybe Giovinco. Absolutely, yeah. Giovinco has to be the biggest one. I was just looking; he doesn't even make the first page uh, when you go to top scores. Mm-hmm. He's not even on the first page. Um, so, and some of that is injury related because he, he's he's missed a lot of time with that. Yeah, but in the games in which he's played, now I know we're saying this, and he just blew up for seventeen points this past yeah. week. But he has not justified his price value to me for more than a couple matchups so far this season. So he would be my, my disappointment. Um, And then maybe Dempsey uh, is another one. Um, He also just scored two goals, but as the season, the half season we have behind us, I would put him as a uh, disappointment um, for sure. I think the entire Colorado defense too. Yeah. 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 Colorado defense, I'd, I'd even throw Ladero in there. I mean, he's put up like some pretty good numbers where he's up there, but he hasn't had that kind of explosive game that we got used to at the end of last season, where if you look at his price point, you're kind of like, ah, uh, now, now you kind of kind of shy away from him because he's so expensive and he he's not delivering, you know, the double-digit games. You know, when you spend that kind of money, that's kind of what you're, you're buying, and, and he hasn't been able to deliver. Uh, even in double game weeks, he, he's missed double digits a, a few times. Yeah, I think uh, only two rounds um, he put up double digits. Actually, I take that back. He had a double game week in 17, so he put up 12. But uh, game week 10 at L.A., he put up 10. And then game week 9 at New Eng- uh, home to New England, he put up that 14 because that game was just nuts. But he's not he's not worth his price either so far. All right. Well, um, one of the things I wanted to do and, and the reason that uh, I invited uh, Tyler Kelly uh, on the show was was to talk about a fantasy game that we mentioned a few times on the show, and that's the show league. Um, and I was really excited to you know take this opportunity to talk about it because I, I think it does a lot of things uh, differently from fantasy FMLS. And I thought we could use this as an opportunity to, to kind of think about some ways that the, the game might grow. Uh, as far as rule changes and kind of getting into to the next level. Um, so, uh, and Tyler is not the person who started the game. The person who started the game is a good friend of all of ours, uh, a guy named Sean. Unfortunately, he's on vacation this week, but he kind of sent Tyler as his ambassador, I guess you say, um, to, to talk about, about the game. So, so, Tyler, let me ask you, how did this league get started? Um. If I understand correctly from everything I've talked to Sean about, him and his brother kind of came up with this league together on their own. Um, And they have had stuff planned for this for a really long time. This past season, and I'll get into it in a little bit, we just started the Champions League uh, competition, and he's had the plans for that for two years. Uh, So these little competitions off to the side, he's he's had written down and, and put away. Um, for a long time, but the league started in 2016, um, and it's it's meant to be kind of like a supplement to the traditional FMLS system. Not really something that we're saying like, hey, you know, play this instead. Uh, they, they, it works really well when you play both. Uh, I believe it was Calvin in the group chat that I think we've all mentioned a few times. Calvin was telling us about a week or so ago that since he started playing the show league, he 
went on this tear for like three or four weeks where his round rank in FMLS was in the top 100 for like three or four weeks because it, it, playing one helped him in the other one. Um, so this league can really help you uh, understand FMLS a little bit better because you're looking at some deeper stats. Uh, when the league began, there was uh, 30 to 40 people, and after the first season, they split those uh, 40 people into two divisions. Since then, it's expanded. Uh, there's 60 players now in the league, three and they're all divided into three divisions. Uh, Premier League is the top league. USL is the second tier, and then we have the third tier, which is the development league. Um, the well, season, how, how do you play the game? Like, and so let's say that someone would join the league, and obviously it's, there's a waiting list to get on the league because we've mentioned it so, <laughs> so, so many times. How, how does one actually play the game? All right. Um, the seasons span only about two or three months as compared to FMLS, which goes the whole season. So in those two or three months, the fantasy player uh, will select 30 to 34 games, uh, depending on the weekends. Therefore, there are several uh, show league seasons during one MLS season. When you start, you start off in the developmental league, and then you have to work your way up to USL and then up to Premier League. Promotion from one division to the next is achieved by a couple ways. You, uh, if you finish in the top three in developmental league or the USL, you're automatically promoted to the next league. And if you finish fourth to ninth, you get put into this little pool for a promotion playoff, which gets pretty intense. I think I even mentioned that the last uh, last time you guys had me on, which is two weeks ago. And those things can come down to a goal or even a tackle at some times. Uh, subsequently, yeah, I, the bottom I know that bottom four from Premier League and USL are relegated to the league below after uh, each season. Uh, in, in that regard about the promotion and stuff, I'll give a little love to Jason here. Um, we just finished season five, and Jason won the Premier League uh, this past season. So uh, congrats yeah. on that, buddy. Uh, he beat Andrew uh, in the final day. I believe the title came down to uh, the Portland-Seattle game, yep. and I, I think it was just a few points in there. So maybe a goal one way or the other, Andrew would have ended up beating him. But uh, that was that, that was pretty intense. Uh, so scoring for this league, each week uh, you would select a number of games. All right, and these games range from either the weekend or midweek. It's whatever Sean decides he will deem as a week or a round, such as FMLS has. For these pick these picks, each show league player will select anywhere from like three to six games, depending on the weekend. To break down a single game pick, a fantasy player will pick a result, a score line, and then three players from that game. So let's just take the Portland-Seattle game that I just mentioned. Uh, you would say that the game's going to finish 3-1 to one Portland, and then you're going to pick three players from there. After you pick those three players, you can delegate roles to each player, and those roles are based on their positioning and on the field, and then they get points according to those. Or you can simply just name a player in what we call raw dog, where they get big points for goals and assists, but don't get points for simple things like tackles, key passes, um, aerials, things like that. Um, on top of this single player mode that you kind of have there, where it's the 60 people in three divisions, Sean has also created a team competition um, that Michael, uh, Jason, and I are all in, but none of us are teammates, um, that kind of runs in the off-season of MLS to keep us busy. Um, 
he started that kind of just to give a little different flavor to it. So you pair up two people, they play together, and you make double the amount of normal picks. And then as games go on, you actually make substitutions to this, and it's it's really really complicated compared to the normal normal version. But um, kind of happy to say that the uh, season one finished, and my teammate Nancy and I finished in first. So uh, current champions of that, you guys can take that from us whenever you can try. Yeah, but it more like it just ended. It didn't finish. You know, God, we won fair game. <laughs> um, but let let me talk about. Uh, and so the people who haven't played the show league are, are familiar when he's, you know, picking roles. What are the ideas of the roles? Like, like what do the roles do? All right. So the concept of the roles were developed to make the league different from the traditional FMLS system that revolves mostly around goals, assists, and clean sheets. When the show league first started, all players were raw dog picks. They didn't have roles, meaning you simply selected a player and you got 12 and a half points for a goal seven and a half points for an assist, 13 for a clean sheet if it was defender, and 16 points if it was a goalkeeper. Roles now, they allow the selected player to gain points by in-game actions outside of just goals, assists, and clean sheets. Over the past few seasons, the show league has created and tinkered with 10 separate roles that we have, and I'll discuss those in a little bit. From time to time, these roles have to be tinkered, um, and they have to be the point system has to be raised or lowered based on a system in which Sean has created to make the game itself really balanced. Uh, give you an example. Before season five, Sean and I got together and worked on creating the winger role, uh, which I'll, of course I'll discuss a little bit more about that in a minute. But as the season progressed, we realized that that role itself was extremely too powerful compared to all the other roles in the game. So we had to actually go back and edit it and add in negative points for failure to complete certain in-game actions. Um, originally, when we analyzed the role, we went over 250 different players and games from the 2016-17 MLS and English Premier League seasons to try and figure out how we wanted this role to actually fit. And we went in and we were looking at things such as crosses, take-ons, take on successful, how many times the wingers were fouled, how many times these guys were contributing to goals. So towards the end of season five, we realized that we needed to tinker that a little bit and we had to go back and change it. And it took us, I would say, about a week, um, week or two to, to put that together. So uh, there's a lot of respect that everybody in the league gives to Sean and, and the people that do a lot of the work in the background, because it's a lot of work to keep this going. Um, so I guess I can get into the roles a little bit if you want. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do want to mention like Sean uh... – I mean, he personally grades pretty much 60 players uh, in their sheets, um, and I think he has, has a little bit of help now. Um, but, I mean, he spends a, a lot of time himself. And, I mean, that, that's one of the drawbacks of having, you know, kind of this homebrewed league that's so large and so complex. Um, you know, and we're trying to kind of give you an idea uh, of the complexity here. But, it, you know, it, it does take a, a, a lot of work and, you know, now, one of the cool things about the rules um, that, that I really like is it make, gets you away from just, you know, attacking midfielder and, you know, striker kind of picks. And, you know, there's a lot of different roles that go into, like, defensive midfielders. You know, for example, there's the box-to-box -box midfielder role. Maybe you can kind of start us off with that. and Because we've talked about an FMLS for years about trying to get defensive midfielders to be a viable part of the game, and it hasn't really worked out. But and the show league it has. So how, how has show league done that? All right. So I'll start with the box to box. Actually, I'll start with listing um, 
the, the roles real quick. Um, we have what we call a ball winner, um, which is someone who sits deep and their job is basically to mess up play, uh, get tackles, get interceptions. Then the box to box, which I'll go into detail in on that one. This is your guy who's going to go literally from box to box. And he's going to be involved in the attack. He's going to be involved in the defensive end of the game. So he's going to get re- rewarded accordingly. Then we have our captain. An example of a box-to-box midfielder. Okay. Um, one of the examples that we have uh, when you look at the actual spreadsheet for the league, Christian Roldan is one of the uh, examples for a box-to-box player. The box-to-box player gets rewarded, and I'll break this down for you. Every 10 minutes they play, they get half a point. Every goal they score, they get three. Every assist, they get a point and a half. And then this is where the box-to-box role actually takes its form. They get a point and a half for a shot, half a point for a key pass. They get half a point for every time they're fouled. Three-quarters of a point every time there's a long ball completed. Then they get points for interceptions, clearances, block shots, tackle attempts. So that's how you can see that they get rewarded for both the defensive end and the attacking end. However, they lose points, too. Every time the player is dispossessed, they lose a point and a half. Every time a player dribbles past them, so this say they go in attack, try to tackle, and they fail, they lose two points. Every time the team concedes a goal, they lose two more points. So they, they're getting points for doing a lot of things, but they're also losing them. So it's you're truly using this role for a box-to-box player, and you're getting hurt for what they do badly, and you're getting rewarded for what they do good. All of these stats are being pulled from uh, the Who Scored website, whoscored.com. And you have to go in, and Sean has to go in and manually count every single tackle, interception, clearance, whatnot from these roles, and then plug them into a spreadsheet, which then kicks them all over into scorecards that all of us enter our point system in. And uh, let me run, I'll run through the, the other roles real quick. Well, I just wanted to point out something real quick to kind of so people could kind of crystallize because I know yeah. we've talked a lot, a lot of different you know things, but basically we have a lot of detailed stats that go into all these different roles, and they result you know regardless of what the formula is each season, a lot of the little things that they do accumulate positive points, but there's also a lot more opportunities for negative points. Whereas in FMLS, your only real negative point of concern is a yellow card, a red card, or goals conceded. So there's much more of a, a balancing um, in this game as opposed to FMLS, which is you know really just based on you know a few bonus points that are only work positive but don't give you a very high ceiling, and then goals and assists. Is is that right? Yeah, I'll give you an example of like a high risk, high re- high reward type player. Uh, one of the most commonly used roles in the show league is the poacher. Uh, basic, you're basically you're labeling this guy as like, all right, this guy's going to score this game. That that's his role in my team. He is scoring. If that player scores, they get 18 points, which compared to the numbers I just re- ran off there for you for tackles and clearances for a box to box player, 18 is a lot. If they score, they get 18 points. They get one point for every shot they take in the game, up to six. If he does not score and his team draws. He loses five points. If his team loses and he does not score, you lose eight. So there's really a heavy balance to this. High reward, high risk to this. Gotcha. Okay. And so there, there's a whole lot of, of other roles that that are out there. And obviously, I don't want to go into every all the details. You know what? You know what the cross is for a winger. But I mean, we have ones like a playmaker, which is kind of an attacking midfielder role. You know, the poacher role, the winger role. 
Um, there's a ball winner role, which is kind of a safer defensive midfielder kind of role. There's a defender role, a goalkeeper role. Uh, and then there's some new ones, which is like a false 10 role and a deep lying playmaker role, which all kind of tries to encapsulate, you know, what a particular actual position is on the field and what they're going to do and the role they're going to play in their team, you know, with that whole kind of balancing uh, thing worked out. So, so Tyler, let, let me ask you, what do you think is, is one of the main advantages for the show league over the, the fantasy MLS game? Uh, I think the, the absolute number one advantage to the show league versus FMLS is the shorter seasons. Um, they only go about two to three months. So within two, two to three months, you're starting a new season. So if you did poorly, all right, maybe you got relegated. Uh, you have an opportunity to come right back up. Uh, okay, you got promoted. Well, you got to do it right again. Uh, you got to come back and play just as well to either not get relegated from the league you just got promoted to, or if you started from D League, you got to get promoted all the way up to Premier League. So there's incentive to, to and, and change every few months. I think that's one of the reasons FMLS at uh, the latter half of the season kind of dies off a bit is people get a little bored or complacent with it because it's such a long game. Uh, with this, it's tur- it's quick turnarounds. Uh, sometimes uh, the seasons season five will end, and four days later we were starting season six, and you get a completely clean slate every single season. So I, I think that would be the top uh, advantage of this. You also have promotion relegation, um, and I do not want to get into MLS promotion relocation here. But I mean, we have another five aspect, hours for the podcast. I'm sure we can go in oh yeah, we can do another hour or two on that. Um, uh, the scoring system is so dynamic. It's really balanced, um, which a lot of the traditional FPL, FMLS, uh, Fantasy UEFA Champions League, those systems really struggle to find that balance because it's so heavy on just goals, assists, and clean sheets. Um, this, this game also allows you not to just pick players but you get rewarded for picking games and picking how that game was going to go correctly. Uh, so like I was saying earlier, when you pick a game, you also pick the winner and the loser and the score line. So let's just say tomorrow we have Seattle and Portland playing again. I've used that example already. Uh, they're playing in Seattle. I'm going to pick Seattle to win three to two. Uh, there's going to be lots of goals. If Seattle wins, I get – 12 and a half points. That's great. If Seattle wins and it's three to two, I get 25 points. So there, there's a reason to not just pay attention to the players, but to look at this and say, all right, Seattle's won their last X number of games at home, but they also give up goals. So there's all these different things you can look at just for those 25 points versus everything else you have for the players. Uh, and then there's qualification um, for different cups and tournaments. Uh, it's kind of formatted a lot around the European style of UEFA uh, Cup or the Europa League. You have the FA Cup, you have uh, the Copa del Rey, you have Champions League. And we have all these different uh, these competitions within the show league. You have the show league competition, show league B, Champions League, show cup. There's different ways in which you get into these different tournaments, and it's based on your season finish. So there's incentive to, even though it's only two or three months, which is not too long, if you're bored by the end of those two or three months, there's still reason for you to fight for seventh place versus eighth place because you might get into just a little bit better competition. Now, now one thing you, you didn't mention that I'm kind of surprised you didn't is 
that in the show league, your lineups only lock once the games kick off. Correct. You know, so, um, and I'm not just like the first game, like in FMLS, you get to see every game's lineup and then you can change your picks uh, accordingly based, based on, on what you see. Correct. Um, so th- there's a lot more uh, flexibility there. Um, wh- what about some of, some of the drawbacks, some of the things um, FMLS does a little bit better than, than this homebrew league? I guess you could you could make the argument that a longer season is a better gameplay, um, and FMLS is more goals and assist heavy. So if someone likes that, they could play that over something like the show league. I know there's another league out there. I believe I follow a few guys on Twitter. They call it the nerd league. Which I mean, these show league nerd leagues, these things get pretty complicated. So the FMLS system. You don't have to dive into it. it. Let's just say that you you live a really busy life, but you really like fantasy soccer. Uh, maybe FMLS is a little bit more tailored to you because you don't have to sit there and do a couple hours of research to find out that Dax McCarty gets a few more tackles than, I don't know, rolled on. Uh, you don't have to find those little teeny nuggets in there that can end up being gems for you. Um, so I think the relaxed environment of FMLS would be – uh, definitely a plus to to it compared to show league because show league is a lot of work not just for the people who run it but for the players as well um i know there's a lot of several individuals in the league have started making their own spreadsheets and tracking this stuff and it, it gets it gets busy but it's if you really like this soccer kind of stuff it's 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 for us nerds gotcha all right well i hope that was you know we, we couldn't get into as much as i think you know you can really get into because it's obviously a very complicated um, system that that's been set up, but uh, we definitely wanted to give our listeners a, an idea of what goes behind it. Since we we've mentioned the show league a number of times on the podcast. And I thought it was really interesting as a different way uh, to kind of think about what, what fantasy um, could be as, as we get into the last subject of the round table, which is, you know, what FMLS can do to improve, um, in 2018, and and I think we have to say goodbye to to Jason because because he's he's got to run. Yes, so, sir. Um, yeah, yeah. The MLS Show League is amazing. Great community, great people. As is Fantasy MLS. But I have a one year old to read some stories to, so I have to go. It's a pleasure, gentlemen and listeners. Thank you so much, Patreon people. I love you forever. TK, heart you, bro. Simon, love you. Michael, great job hosting. And uh, to all listeners, love you and I miss you guys. I'll see you guys next week. All right. Well, thank thank you, Jason, for joining us while you can. And ho- hopefully he'll read him a, a good the story of RSL's 6-2 victory over LA Galaxy. I'm sure that's what the, the story will be this week. Yes, sir. Um, Later, guys. See you talking to what FMLS uh, in 2018 might look, at, look like. Um, we talked about maybe uh, the show league. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about in playing the show league is it seems like it does a really good job of getting to other types of players, you know, players like Alex ring or uh, Ilya Sanchez for sporty Kansas city or rolled on who aren't really great viable, um, you know, fantasy MLS options, but are in these leagues that kind of emphasize roles. And so something I'm interested in is I wonder if FMLS should institute like a role system. 
That is like, you have to have a team with a defensive midfielder. You have to have a team with, you know, two center backs and then two fullbacks. Maybe kind of split it up something that way to get more roles. Do you think something like that might be still appealing to, to a casual player who, you know, who doesn't have the time, like you said, to, to build spreadsheets or something like that, but still get them invested in more players other than just the big names? Yeah, I think it would still be an interest to those because I guess if you, when you set it up like that, you would have – now when we hit the, hit the drop-down arrow, uh, looking at your team for transfers, you get goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, and forwards. If you add in the roles, you could change those drop-down tabs and add more, put in your defensive midfielder, put in your other roles in there. And the game itself will – calculate and it shows you like i'm sitting here looking at on my other computer the top scores list it, it calculates it all for you you don't have to do the work yourself i i think it would still appeal to the casual in that mind because it's uh it makes it more of your team um like i know we look at some of these these fmls rosters uh if you put out some of these actual teams out there everybody's running like a three four three system in their fmls team with four attacking midfielders and three lead strikers. I mean, these teams, if they were a real team, would, would just get, you know, they get mollywopped. Um, but if you add in the defensive player, add in the spot here, and then the system did the calculations for the individual, I think that would certainly be something to, uh, to add a dimension to it, to make it different and enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I mean that's just one of the the cool things about it is you know kind of learning more about the the unsung heroes you know who do such a big job for their teams every week, but then don't get fantasy recognition. And I, I know that's something the game's kind of tried to do for a while. Um, and so I I don't know what the best thing to do. I, I I was thinking you know maybe just get rid of the budgets and that way you know if you had to pick one attacking midfielder, and you had to choose between Almiron and Valeri, you know for instance this past week or win. Uh, how tough that decision would be because that was a decision you know you would have to make in, in the show league because you only have a certain number of these roles that you can use so you kind of have to choose who's your playmaker role and you know it's it's tough because sometimes you have a lot of choices whereas in you know fantasy you can kind of pile them all in into an unrealistic game you know with this you, you kind of have to make uh th those tougher calls um so i think you know Maybe there's some some ideas there, you know, without having to do how to do the big complex balancing system, you know, that, that might alienate too many of the casual fans. And I, I know MLS is, is really worried about alienating, um, you know, maybe just kind of doing a simple, you know, you have to pick a defensive midfielder and, and maybe doing something like that would, would allow the game to kind of broaden its scope as far as the available players to, to select from while not, you know, narrowing the actual managers who, who would play the game. Um, now something that's kind of gotten a lot of talk in the past week is the draft. And, and the reason draft is suddenly back on the radar is that the fantasy premier league released its app and announced that for the first time they are hosting the fantasy of uh, fantasy premier league draft system. Um, it can work pretty similar to, you know, a draft system in your, you know, fantasy football or baseball or basketball, whatever, whatever you play. Uh, I think the only difference is for some reason, they're not allowing transfers or trades between teams. Um, but other than that, it, it's going to be a regular draft system. Um, Tyler, do you think this is, could come to MLS and, and should it? I'd like to see it come to MLS for sure. Um, I'm pretty stoked about it 
about it for FPL. Like I was saying earlier, I, I kind of got my start in fantasy soccer uh, with FPL. So I'm really excited about that change there. Really not excited about what you mentioned, the inability to trade players from team to team. I think if MLS added a draft system for FMLS and then just made it a, made it um, eligible for trades, I think that would be a, fan, a fantastic addition because a lot of people who play fantasy sports in general, the big fantasy sport that's push is American fantasy football. And almost all those systems are draft and people understand draft systems and it would just be a different wrinkle to add to it. And I think it would actually go over really, really well. I think it would go over better for FMLS to have a draft system than FPL to have a draft system. Well, I'd certainly get that, you know, the American fans want it. What my concern is, is that MLS's schedule is just so ill-suited for a draft league. Like, I, I don't know how feasible it is, especially next year, you know, if we're talking about 2018 changes. You know, next year there's going to be an uneven number of teams because the LAFC is coming in and there's no second team. So that means every week you're going to have at least one team on by or one team on a double game week, Um, you know, maybe more. And so the double game weeks kind of really throw and the buys kind of throw to me to the point where the head-to-heads aren't as interesting or valuable because so much of it comes down to who has a bunch of players from the you know, the buy team or the double game week team or, or whatever that really kind of skews the results. So I don't know how much fun it would be um, with the MLS's schedule. So I, I like, I like draft, you know, I've played it before in, in football. I, I like the fantasy soccer version a little bit more, honestly, than draft at this point. Um, but especially with MLS's schedule, I just don't know how feasible it is. Maybe one, just a quick solution to that is maybe just have really deep benches so that in the event that there are a bye week that you might have, you know, defensive midfield, you might have Sam Cronin from Minnesota. He's your seventh bench player, but he's coming into play because Atlanta's not playing that week and you can't play Almiron. You know, obviously you'd like to have Almiron over Cronin, but that could be a solution to that Um, would be really deep benches. There's certainly a lot of things for them to consider if they ever wanted to do it because of how sporadic MLS's season is. Uh, I think we were talking about that the other day uh, about how the MLS season will all, you know, it's destined to be a summer league because MLS just can't compete with NFL in the fall. Um, Yeah. And the winners here are much more brutal than, you know, in England. You know, right. Whereas, yeah, I mean, you can't play outside games in Montreal in December. That's just, it's not going to happen. No. So. But, um, yeah, I, I agree that there's going to be some things if they wanted to bring it to MLS that you would really have to look at because of the schedule. But I would also, I would be really looking forward to having that. Yeah. Um, kind of one thing on the, on the schedule, um, that, that I was thinking with the unlimited transfers, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you think we still need double game weeks with unlimited transfers? Because I know a few times we've had double game weeks and, you know, we're talking about all the double game week teams and players. I'm just like, man, I wish we could just split this off, have this its own game week. And that way I could get rid of, you know, all these concerns about rotations into like one single game week and then just kind of deal with the weekend on its own and kind of enjoy those matchups more. Since, I mean, now 
with the unlimited transfers, there doesn't seem to be as much of a need to have the, the double game weeks as much. Um, do, do you think we still need double game weeks? Do, do you enjoy them? Because, I mean, to me, with all the rotation, it's like, oh, the rotation and dealing with, you know, who's what the coach is going to rotate players and which games are going to slough off. I, I kind of wish we could just not deal with that. No, we don't. I, we don't need double game weeks anymore if we have the unlimited transfer system. Um, I would say, however, I want to keep them. They add a wrinkle to the game. Um, and as much of a pain it is to play the guessing game with, with rotation, uh, I actually enjoy sitting here and trying to figure out the double game week situations a lot of the times. So uh, do we need them? No. Would I be happy without them? Yeah, but I, I would just leave it as is for me personally. Gotcha. All right. Well, that was just an idea I, I've, I've had a few times, you know, um, wanted to get someone's thoughts. You know, uh, we had a lot of really good suggestions from Reddit uh, of some things uh, to do. Uh, and by the way, thank you guys so much. Y'all had a really good response on Reddit. I, I used a lot of the ideas and stuff that y'all talk about um, in the show. But I want to highlight a few uh, kind of new ideas um, that I thought were really interesting. And I'm going to start with uh, Fulham Rev's um, proposal. And he proposed to change the price change system based on a player's starting points. Um, so the example that he gave was, you know, Botang's like six, uh, you know, six million and Giovinco's 12 million. Well, in order for Giovinco's to go up, it would have to be twice as high for Giovinco's to go up as opposed to Botang. So I guess, you know, if Botang got like a four, he would see a much more bigger price rise than, his, you know, Giovinco, for instance, got six. Um, I thought that was a really interesting proposal, Tyler. Uh, you know, to, to kind of to maybe slow down some some of the growth at the top. Um, I, I don't know how feasible that is because it seems like a really complex algorithm you would have to set up to do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but but it was interesting to kind of like cap the the price rises and so you know as I talked about there was so much uh, increase in budgets already. Uh, it sounds like a really fun idea. Um, the thing I'm looking at here is if let's just say let's take Geo from last season um, in the seasons prior where he, I mean, he just exploded for points. Um, I think one of the points and the reasons in having Geo go up by point two when he has a good game is eventually you want Giovinco to be so high priced that you really look at it and go, I know he's going to score 15 points this game week, but he costs 14 million. I could split that up between these three players and still get as much as Gio would get me and these two scrubs over here that I have to get because I'm spending so much on him. Um, so if you if you slow down how fast he rose in price, let's just take like Nico for, for this season. If you slow down how fast Nico's rising, everyone's always going to be able to have him. Uh, it eventually has to be such a high price that you have to make a decision whether you want that person in your, in your team or not. Uh, so I like the idea, um, but I, I, I don't know if it, if it makes the good, it makes it to where I think that would make it to where the good players can always be in your team. Um, and then eventually the players that are okay would be too high priced to even consider them. I'm playing yeah. devil's advocate here. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I can definitely see, you know, I mean, the, the, the pro thing I think with this would be, it was, you know, if you're trying to grow your budget, you can select some players kind of on the fringes who are more likely to grow your budget as opposed to some of the big-name scores. You could kind of see people, you know, plan, you know, okay, the first few weeks I'm going to really focus on growing my budget and then kind of shift into try to, you know, take advantage of that and get all the big names and really, you know, bank in the points. Um, whereas this system, you know, really the budget, you're not thinking about growing your budget uh, other than, you know, maybe trying to get some scrub players who are, you know, likely for clean sheets to try to get uh, a point rise or, or something um, and really make the budget part of the game again. Um, nope, nope. Personally, I'm not as big of a fan of having the budget a part of the game. I'm kind of glad that that whole system, like you said, with FPL and, you know, when MLS was, you know, based on, um, you know, popularity rises and all that. I'm kind of glad that that's all out of the way. But, you know, if you wanted to kind of bring the budget system back, I, I think this that's an interesting proposal to, to do it. Uh -huh. um, another interesting proposal we had was Giuseppe Beer. Um, and I really like this one. Uh one of the things we've had, I mean, we've talked about it every week in the podcast, pick home players. And, and now the advantage has been really huge this year is home and away. Uh, and, and there are some advanced statistical articles out there that, that think, you know, maybe it's just um, it's overblown and, and it'll kind of come back to the mean um, because it's not, you know, by expected goals and other stuff, it's not super crazy as the way it's actually played out as far as actual goals. So it might come back. But anyway, we, we still know that generally in MLS, home players do so much better than away players. And so what Giuseppe Beer proposed is to apply basically a multiplier for uh, away players. Um, you know, I don't know what the multiplier would be. It could be, you know, plus 0.5, could be one point time 1.5 or something like that. Um, and I thought that was interesting because, you know, in the show league, uh, we didn't mention it, but you get more points if you pick an away win, um, you know, to try to incentivize people to kind of take the riskier picks. So do you think we should do something to kind of incentivize people to, to take the riskier away players? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was, I was look, reading that one and I, I love that idea. Um, Nine times out of ten, I'm not picking an away player. Um, after watching RSL just destroy LA at home, I might start picking teams who are going to play at LA. Um, but that that's an anomaly. Um, I I really like this idea because it would it all it all it gets you to bite on away players, um, and they'll probably away players would probably still fail just as much. And they might not get as many points as a home player, but the possibility of let's just say, like one of the things you do in the show league is you get a, a thirty-five percent multiplier. If you just took an away player's score and then multiplied it by thirty-five, you know, one point three five, uh, you could really look at getting some big points. Look at this past past week: Dempsey gets two goals and ends up with seventeen points at Colorado. Uh, I did not even think about looking at Dempsey for this past week because he had not done much so far this season. But if you tell me I'm going to get his score times one, you know, one point three five, I might consider that. I, I might bite that one. Yeah, and it would it would definitely, I think, would differentiate the teams. I mean, 
the way it's kind of worked right now, you kind of look look at the schedule and you pretty much cut half the teams off. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, who are the best players, you know, from from these 10 teams? Um, and so I think, you know, kind of incentivizing to take those gambles, not only would you see, I think, diversity of lineups that's trying to make moving faster but also kind of give p players a better way to catch up say you know hey i'm in 500 so i want to get up there i want to try to get and compete for some of these big overall prizes i'm gonna pick up a whole bunch of away players i think might do well and see if i can can't zoom up you know i i think that's a really dynamic idea th that i really liked and actually talked to to read about it and he liked it too so i, I think that might be something that that sh should be considered uh for next year and then the last idea we had wasn't a, a rule change, but more of a, a promotion, promotional idea. And that was from Kibitz. And his idea was to have all of the teams leagued be ranked. Um, now, I think he mentioned like a promotion um, thing, you know, so that way, you know, for ex example, if Seattle had, you know, the most players, it would be ranked and we could rank them that way. If Seattle had, you know, the highest average, we could do it that way. Um, you know, because obviously Seattle created soccer, so obviously they would have the best, you know, list, right? Right, right, Tyler? That's absolutely correct. <laughs> uh so you know, something like that, where that way you would have the social media of the teams competing to say, like, hey, our league did port, like, you know, join our league, you know, we want to keep up and compete and you know do better so that way we're in the top ranking you know something like that to kind of spice up give the social media team something to do because obviously you know i know it's hard for the social media for a team to be like hey you should really pick um you know any team that plays minnesota um hi i'm the minnesota social media guy Th you know that doesn't really work out but if you say hey we need you know minnesota fans to compete you know that allow them to do something more um so, so I thought that was a really interesting idea is to kind of give teams something to to talk about fantasy-wise on social media other than, you know, which players on teams not my own are good to pick up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thinking about it, um, looking at the Seattle League, um, just because when you – obviously when you select your favorite team, you're thrown into that team's league. Um, I, I think a cool idea to kind of expand on this is – Let's say that the average uh, point total for the season, um, and you obviously have to set something like they had to start week one. The, the total average uh, from all the people in the Seattle Sounders League is the highest of all that MLS will send every single one of those participants a Seattle scarf. I think that would be a fantastic promotion. to, And you could get – the Seattle Sounders official uh, Twitter account, their Facebook account, all these different accounts promoting, it, you know, in the final weeks of the season, there's five weeks left and they're out there tweeting that, you know, keep, you know, keep, keep up updating your teams. Uh, Seattle's in first place. You know, they're just a few points ahead of N NYC. I think that would be a good way to kind of mobilize a, a lot of people to, to play the game more because now it's not just, Oh, I got to be the one guy to finish first to get my prize. Uh, now it's saying like, Hey, I'm involved. You know, I got to, these other people helping me out. I just got to do pretty good. And, and the, the rest of the people around me do pretty good. Then we're all in this together. I, I think that would be a really good team aspect of it too. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's, you know, it's one of those things 
I think there's just so many possibilities, you know, that that don't necessarily involve MLS dropping a lot of money. That that my my hope is, you know, one of the ideas I had, you know, for doing this roundtable is just kind of have a forum for this creativity for these new kinds of ideas and promotions, you know, that hopefully MLS can do next year. Because, I mean, I love this game. I think everyone, you know, who listens to the podcast really loves this game, loves community and really sees in MLS a, a vision for growing the game. And so these kinds of ideas for promotions or rule changes, I, I think are really good to have these kinds of conversations every now and then, because the better we can make the game, I, I think the better we can make the, the game grow and kind of spread the the joy and, and the love that we have in this community to, to a lot of people who, you know, sadly just don't know about it. And, uh, you know, so ho- hopefully uh, y'all have enjoyed this podcast. I-, I know it ran a little longer than usual, but we had a lot of ideas. And, you know, what else are you going to do? We have a week and a half until transfers are due. So um, if you're listening to this and enjoyed our, one of our hot takes, like the ideas, or think it's stupid, or have an idea of your own, uh, comment on Reddit uh, or on, hit us up on Twitter. Um, and, and we would love to kind of keep the conversation going to, to pass the bye week. Um, so thank you guys uh, all for listening. Tyler, do you have any uh, shout-outs for us? Uh, let me just shout-out the show, League, since we talked about it so much. Uh, if you're interested in to what we said about it, go to Twitter. Uh, the League is run on Twitter, at uh, MLS Show League. And uh, if you send the guy a DM, his name's Sean, he's more than happy to tell you anything you need to know about it. Um Spots are limited, as I understand, for the incoming season. We just started season six, so I don't think he'll be accepting more for the next two months. But if you want to get involved with that, get your name on the list because they go fast. Yep. And uh, I'm just going to give a a shout-out to everyone who follows me at MLS Injury News. I have 999 followers, so if you're not following me, I would really appreciate you getting me over that hump to 1,000. But thank you all so much for all the people who already followed me and helped out. Um, It's it's a great project that has made the game, uh, I think, a a little easier to, to play. Um, you know, considering we don't get the, the injury information that, that we all want. Um, well, thank you guys for, for listening and uh, good luck.